Before we jump into this episode, you know that I love collaborating with other business owners because the more we support each other, the more we will collectively grow. And that's why I want to tell you about an incredible event that I am thrilled to be part of, hosted by one of our wonderful podcast guests, Wendy Collier. You're invited to experience Ticket to Freedom in its 10th season. This free event is a virtual learning retreat with business building and spiritual growth gifts where myself and a panel of other heart-centered, high-integrity leaders are helping you fulfill your purpose, grow your business with authenticity and soul fuel, and attract more soulmate clients without sacrificing what is most important to you or spending your life on social media. And you know I am all about all of those things. So head over to wendycollier.com slash Kelly to save your free seat before registration closes on May the 7th. That's W-E-N-D-Y-C-O-L-L-I-E-R.com forward slash K-E-L-L-Y. Hello, I want to share something special with you today. This is actually a Q&A conversation that I had with Brayden Ricketts, and he is with Amplify You, which is the amazing company that supports this podcast. And I was sharing some Q&As on branding for the community of podcasters over at Amplify You, and the conversation was just so good that I thought, hey, this is a podcast episode. So hooray for repurposing, but I just wanted to give you this intro because you're just going to jump in onto the conversation that Brayden and I had where he's asking me some questions and we talk all things from visual branding to high-level brand strategy, messaging, storytelling, measuring success of your brand, and going right down to the nitty-gritty of like the visual font choices and all of that that you can have. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It gives you a little bit more clarity on all things branding and how they all tie together which is obviously the topic I love talking about the most that you hear about here on the Entrepreneur School podcast. So tune in and enjoy. This is the Entrepreneur School podcast, where we believe you can run a thriving business and still make your family a priority. This show is all about supporting you, the emerging or early stage entrepreneur, on your journey from solopreneur to CEO while wearing all of the other hats in your life. My name is Kelly Sinclair and I'm a brand and marketing strategist who started a business with two kids under three. I'm a corporate PR girl turned entrepreneur after I learned the hard way that life is too short to waste doing things that burn you out. On this show, you'll hear inspiring stories from other business owners on their journey and learn strategies to help you grow a profitable business while making it all fit into the life that you want. Welcome to Entrepreneur School. Kelly, welcome back. Thank you again for being here with us. Thank you. And thank you for reminding me of the whole fairy brand mother thing, because I I like loved it when I first came up with it and I leaned into it a lot and I even like have props and stuff, (laughs) but then I kind of have like let go of it. But just yesterday, somebody brought, we were having this conversation and somebody like was talking about, um, you know, I actually was having my human design like conversation with someone. She's like, you have a lot of like, like wingman energy. Like, you know, you're a good like supporter collaborator. I was like, that 
is why I created the fairy brand mother, because it's like the fairy godmother who she's not the star. She's not the center of attention. She makes Cinderella the gown. She puts Cinderella in the glass slippers and she sends her to the ball. So this is just like, I'm already like getting into it. This is just like an example of how you can really embody a brand and like a position in your brand and have like the symbolism and all of that, like extend in. And then that for me allows me to use like, you know, terminology and language, like the Bibbidi Bobbidi brand book and like Disneyland references and things like that, that all like come in and infuse into my branding when I'm talking on my web pages and things like that too, which is really fun. And it is just such a, a staple in our minds. We know who a godmother, a fairy godmother is, and it just brings magic to mind when we mm-hmm. think about what you're capable of supporting us with. So I absolutely love that correlation. Yeah, exactly. So then when I th- like talk about my frameworks and my like the training that I did uh, last week introduced the magic brand formula, and that is like one of the staples of what I teach, but it has that like magic and sparkles and all of that. It really can infuse into it. So when you know your your core values, what you stand for, what you're all about, who you're trying to serve, and you can infuse then your personality into that, it becomes like it, it's your guide that then goes into everything that you do and say. It's almost like having a personal guide before doing your branding guide to know that you're all aligned and everything's heading in the same direction. Well, exactly. And I saw that some of the questions that were submitted were related to visual brand. And this is exactly the thing is that when you work with a designer, if you work with a good designer, they're going to ask you a lot of questions about your values and what you're all about and what your personality is, because personality is very much represented by color and visuals and fonts and graphics and and iconography and all of these things like that's where it all plays together but if you just go to a designer and they're like well what's your favorite color and like do you like sans serif or sans or serif fonts and you're like i don't know (laughs) that's not how you really build a strong visual representation the visuals really need to pull in all of the pieces that you put together inside a fully thought out brand strategy. And then it just becomes the way in which it's communicated visually versus you also have the way you communicate your brand verbally on your podcast, your language, your tone, all of that that comes across. And then there's another piece of it, which is how do you show up in your content, like the written form content with your website, with your social media, with whatever else you're doing, like marketing wise. So they all have to come and fit under one umbrella. So what would you recommend for one of us setting up a a time to meet with a brand expert and getting some support and guidance? What do we want to prepare for that conversation? Mm, Yes. Well, since I, I do this with my clients, obviously we work through brand strategy and it's really about having like the right questions, being asked the right questions for you to respond to. But in advance, you would want to prepare um, your like, core, like trying to get to your core values can sometimes be a challenging task. Some people know like right away what they are. People often ask me, what's the difference between my personal core values and my company core values? And that is one where there may be some crossover and there may be some differences, but I like to create a really cohesive set of core values with clients, probably like five 
that represent um, how you deliver your service or your product. So like the way, the expectation of quality, of collaboration, whatever it is like that, as well as like a bigger, a couple of bigger mission pieces. So something that is a value for you around, for me, one of mine is community. And so that doesn't just mean like creating communities and having programs that have communities, but actually being involved in my community. I I volunteered as the president of the Chamber of Commerce for almost two years locally. And doing stuff like that has been really important to me. So you see how they the values each have different sort of ways that they show up and the way that you're actually able to deliver on it. Um, when I was talking about brand before, I think I said, it's when what you say and what you do are the same, like they're congruent, right? So what is my belief? And then how do I actually operationalize that? So what does that look like in terms of the way that I work with somebody or the way that I choose to volunteer or when you expand your company, if community support is really important, you may actually incentivize your employees to volunteer, give them time off to do that, support pro bono projects. All of that stuff comes from having that clarity around your brand and like the values are the absolute core of it. So when when I to answer my question about personal versus corporate company, business, whatever, if you're a solopreneur, you might not see a lot of difference there, but you also have to think about the personality of your company, right? And if you ever plan on taking yourself out of it, how does that stay true with the people who are left behind? How do you guide them into like exemplifying these different values and attributes and traits in the way that they're carrying on the legacy of what you're trying to achieve. My goodness. It is such a logical piece that for some reason just blew my mind. As you said, that a brand isn't just what people see. It's their experience in connecting with you as an organization, as an individual, as a company, whatever that might be. Their experience in that process, your communication style is also part of that brand. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's like, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you go to like a, a higher end restaurant, you have an expectation about the quality of the food, but it's not just about the food, right? It's the whole experience there from whether you had to make a phone call to book a reservation, um, if they had a form or something on their website for you to book a reservation, if they went to the extent to ask you, are you celebrating anything? Like, do you have a preference of like the table that you want and having the experience from start to finish where you come into the restaurant and not only was the chef great because he prepared an amazing meal, but your server was amazing and they took care of you and they made a really great wine pairing suggestion. And like the way that they talk, they exude the brand experience from start to finish. And you can see it exemplified there. And when we're talking about like, being in a service-based kind of business yourself. So if you serve your clients through coaching of any kind or or even courses or programs, like what is the whole experience and how does that actually match up to the litmus test of your brand, which are your values? So if I want to make sure that people are really supported, you know, we're we're serving people. We were talking a bit before this on as far as like what is the community experience? Where if we say that Amplify You is one of your core values is community, 
how do we actually demonstrate that, right? We have a space where they can be in community with each other. We encourage community by hosting events. We create opportunities for members of the community, which are like me, I'm one of your clients. And here I am getting an opportunity to engage with the rest of the community, showcasing what I do and being able to add my lens of genius into the world of your community and really boost that up. That that is like check mark. We are doing what we say we want to do with respect to community. And that's always a place where you can look for opportunities to do better or make sure that that's still in alignment or what you're you know, what the client is experiencing is the same as what you're intending for them to experience. Absolutely. Wow. That's just, like I said, logical, but blowing my mind because it is so <laughs> integral to to the success is to have those pieces all in alignment. Yeah. So it makes sense that like, if you haven't done that work and you don't have that sort of structure in the, I just call it a brand strategy because it's like, and it's like the trump card strategy that guides everything else that you do. Because when you start your podcast and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I deliver this podcast? Like, what do I really want to be able to have as an experience for my clients? Am I going to And that might affect the length of your podcast. It might affect whether you're doing solo episodes or guest episodes, whether you have ads or you don't have ads, whether you promote products or you don't do that, like the ways that you strategize and monetize and collaborate, all of it comes from having that brand piece. And if you don't have it, you're going to be confused. So the symptoms of knowing whether or not you need to come back and do some of this work in branding are like, not sure what to say, can't quite make decisions with clarity about opportunities that are coming up because like your brand strategy is your your GPS that tells you which way to go. And it gives you that thing to hold up against. Like, should I be doing this? Yes or no? Does it fit in with my, my values? Like you get an opportunity to sponsor an event or pay to speak on a stage. Does that align for you? So important with the amount of opportunities that are out there is how do you determine if they're a fit or not a fit? And mm-hmm. that brand strategy is that check mark. It is that sheet where you compare, yes, this fits into how we want to operate. Is this the foundations of brand messaging that you're talking about? Ensuring you have all of these pieces aligned? Absolutely. So brand messaging is kind of an ambiguous topic because we know like, you know, there's there's like marketing messaging, there's like copywriting, there's all kinds of things to do with words. <laughs> what do I say on my podcast script, all of that? But your brand message is like the core big picture statement that hooks people in for you to be able to have a further conversation about working with them. So ultimately, I like to just define the brand message as that kind of elevator pitch, your I help statement Um, It can be used as your Instagram bio, your like in your bio when you're speaking, um, the header on your website. Basically, it gives people a quick first impression of what you do, who you do it for, and why it matters. So once we create that, then you can just expand on it through copywriting, through like marketing, trying different marketing angles. It's supposed to be intriguing and cause people to want to have a a further question. So I always tell the story about how I used to go out and be like, I'm at a networking event. Hi, I'm Kelly. I do PR and marketing for small businesses. And people are like, all right, um, 
how do you help me? How, why do I need that? Like, that's a huge area and nobody like gets it. So what happened? I didn't get any clients, Brayden. <laughs> I did not get clients from that despite having the business card and going out and doing all the coffee dates until I like zoned it in and made it clear that I could say something like, I help you get visibility for your brand, your business and your purpose. Okay, now we know what we're talking about. Like, I want visibility. Is that something that you want? Mm-hmm. Right? That's Absolutely. that's why we all have podcasts here. We're looking yeah. for visibility. <laughs> so this is answering that question. You those those three foundations are who are you, what do you do, and why does it matter? What do you do is that question you're asked in almost all social settings. So okay. was that was that your response that you just shared with with us there? Yeah, that's what I would say now, currently. And also, I evolve that. So sometimes it changes. Like the other day, I had one kind of inspire down on me. And I was thinking about changing it. But, you know, that it's still relevant. So I use that one. Uh, creating, helping you create visibility for your business, your brand, and your purpose. And so if you were to coach myself or anyone else on how to create that response to what do you do, what are the pieces you would include? Yes. So I have an entire course about this because it is a lot more complicated, not complicated, but complex, I guess, than just like I can give you this the framework, which is I help X do Y so they can Z. That's cool. But how do you fill in those gaps? So I have like an entire module of of training and exercises and stuff for each of those. But ultimately, like knowing who your ideal client is, is really important Um, which again, from my magic brand formula comes after you have more clarity about yourself and what you care about. So you can think about your ideal client in terms of compatibility, but you would know a little bit about what you do and the way that you serve people in, in enough, um, depth for you to be able to explain like what their problem is. What is the thing that they're searching for? What is the gap that you help them to clear or what is the problem that you solve? Right. Yeah. Having a solution for whatever their problem might be in your introduction brings them into your world as a potential client. Yeah. And then when you expand on that into sort of like the marketing messaging, you would say like, you know how people like, you know how you feel, you often feel like you go on social media and there's a hundred thousand other people doing exactly what you do. Well, when you create your brand message, you're able to stand out as uniquely you and have your clients want to work with you and be lining up at your door and ready to jump in on your programs and excited about it. And what is that magic ingredient for helping you stand out that way? I think it's honestly the confidence. That confidence comes from the clarity of doing that work and knowing that your value, the value that you bring and that it's uniquely you based on your own experience and story and the path that you've taken and your, like your values and where your heart is. I, when I, my favorite testimonials that I get about my program, especially and doing this work is just, I feel more confident to show up as myself and know that that is in fact, like my secret sauce. Mm. That is the thing that's going to draw people to you. Because it has to be like you, if you try to be somebody else, people can, that's the whole thing about your brand is your reputation. It's when you say and do the same, like you have to be authentic in that. 
Otherwise, people are going to be like, mm, I don't know. She's just trying to be like this other person over here. Wow. That is just bringing up, uh, sorry, a Chinese proverb I read this morning. Mm. And it's not a question, but it said, tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Ooh. And that just hit me as you were saying your brand is you being confident in who you are and what value you're bringing. When you're clear on that, you're going to attract the right clients and they're going to know you're the person they want to invest with. It's so true. And I think, you know, we're so often as as business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, strategists, whatever we are, want to call ourselves, we're looking for the strategy. We're looking for the like, the step by like the how, how is my thing going to be better than their thing? And it's like, honestly, people buy from confidence they buy like and if all you have to do is believe that you're going to help them like if you believe in the transformation that you can do and you know that you're not going to let anything come in the way like this is how I actually got to the point of being able to launch my program the first time I was like well I don't want to make a digital course okay because I didn't want to like assume all of these different things and that these would be the steps and that this is the information they need to know I'm like I'm going to show up and do this course live as a group program I'm going to create a training and then I'm going to just be there to answer questions because I know that if I am open and I have, I'm there to answer their questions and I give them that opportunity that I'm going to help them. And that's it. Like, it doesn't matter if my framework is better or my course has like 27 bonuses that make people excited. Sure. All these little pieces can help you like scale and like, get there, but don't let these pieces be holding you back from putting yourself out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, this is why I'm like so passionate about brand strategy and trying to showcase that brand strategy is a thing. And it's actually the thing that drives all the other things. You don't yeah. choose your marketing plan based on like, what is the most trendy marketing tactic right now? You choose your marketing plan. And I can say this, from over 15 years of writing marketing plans based on your brand and your audience, who you're trying to reach and the ways that would actually work to reach them. So as podcasters here, we all have at least made the decision that our audience listens to podcasts, which is just like, it's trendy too to have a podcast, but you know, your audience listens to podcasts versus like, If your audience was like my grandma, she's not listening to podcasts. So maybe you shouldn't be doing a podcast, right? But that's your test. We've been saying for a while, Michelle has a quote that your know, like, and trust factor is just grown exponentially through the platform of podcasting because you're intimately in somebody's ear, being authentically yourself. They're getting to know who you are and trusting the advice and the services that you're offering. Mm-hmm. So that whole personal awareness really is a key component to your brand strategy, which is. So there's a fundamental difference between strategy and tactics. And a lot of the time, what we think is a strategy is really a tactic. So we're often chasing things like, how do I you know, grow on Instagram? And how do I do these? Like, how do I even make my podcast bigger? Like, that's still a tactic. You can have strategies inside of that. But overall, the bigger picture strategy is your brand strategy, which guides all the pieces that you choose to do. 
And you don't have to do all of these things. There's opportunities for you to grow. But when you really focus in on, you know, one or two tactics that are going to serve you through actually reaching your audience and whatever you can choose that's going to exponentially increase the speed at which you go from unknown to trusted, that's where your opportunity is to um, to become the person that people want to work with, right? And you said it like podcasting is absolutely a great way to speed that up. I also find offline marketing, meeting people in real life is a way better way to you know, speed up the the time in which they actually are ready to work with you because they got all of those extra pieces of your personality and your demeanor and it gave them like your confidence, gave them confidence and all of that. Yeah, you may, you're making a really good point where podcasting puts a personality on a brand. So you're you're getting to know the person behind the company that's putting in the services you're looking for. When you know that person's energy, their vibe, what their approach to people and work looks like, you know what to expect from them as a customer, as a client. That Mm -hmm. is such a strong marketing tool to get to know who's behind all of this. So meeting in person absolutely has that power. Mm -hmm. Another piece I've heard has the power is storytelling. How do you incorporate storytelling into your marketing and branding? I think this is that like, if we use the People need to know, like, and trust you as a truth, which I absolutely think that it is. Like, knowing somebody means understanding their story, having a bit of a, like, things to relate to. And so storytelling isn't just like, you know, the big picture, the origin story. Why did you get into doing the work that you did? Or your transformation story of how you discovered the solution that you now provide to people. But it's just telling stories throughout of your day of like how you fought with your kids about what shoes they were going to wear to sports day today because no van slip-ons are not really good if you're going to be running like races out at and you know of course my kid wore the van's shoes anyway because <laughs> she's she's Zoe and she's not going to listen to me But like when you say things like that, and we know that it's true that you can, you know, it's easy for people to remember stories and to then repeat the stories. This is why you can, you can recite like the plot, the general plot of any movie you've watched, even if you thought it sucked. Like, even if you didn't like the movie, you still remember it. It like, it's the way it works with your brain. Obviously the, uh, the, the film industry has has grown to the extent it has for a reason and that we have we build all of these tools now based on the same like psychology of understanding stories Mm -hmm. so that's definitely one thing i think that we don't have to overthink is if we put out our main story every so often um but we put out these little stories behind the scenes stories or share things that are really relatable with people That's where they're like, oh, she has to experience that too, or he has to experience that too. And I relate to him at that level. And these are things that might not even be related to the work that you do. Like when I talk about parenting stories, I don't teach people about parenting, but I do build trust with them as a parent if they're also a parent. There's a relatability there if they can see themselves in a similar situation. Mm Mm-hmm. We've also, for podcasters, recommended utilizing stories of clients or individuals they've worked with. 
in the form of, say, a case study or even just an analogy or a story of a client that they took from point A to point B to help their audience recognize themselves in that story and see themselves overcoming some of those similar barriers. Oh, yeah. And you can see this working like go and audit a webinar of anyone who does like regular big scale webinars and you'll see dozens of testimonials and you'll also see the chat blowing up with I want to be just like that or like that's like like my goal is to be like this person who you just talked about like right away it's making that connection it's so good making your clients the heroes can really help new clients find themselves in your business oh yeah yeah it's magic it's magic Kelly, we have a we have a question uh, coming in that is asking, when it comes to a font mm-hmm. for your brand, do you recommend having more than one that you work with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like visually. So, as much as I, I'm going to like preface this with, I'm not a graphic designer. I have a professional graphic designer who works on my team, and I've also worked with professional graphic designers for over 15 years. So, I feel qualified to answer this question. Ultimately, I think a best practice is that we we have three, but no more than that. And you have fonts that you can use for different purposes because you're going to have headings and subheadings and like um, general text on a website. And it just gives visual interest when it changes around a bit. But you want to keep those consistent um, throughout anything else that you're doing, whether you're if you're creating social media posts, your podcast graphics, things like that should use the same font combos in the same sort of way in order to create that cohesive visual look across all of the platforms. And that's just another opportunity for you to strengthen the awareness of your brand um, in a more like subconscious way, because that's what the visuals do. Absolutely. And then as far as having all of those on one document, I've heard no more than two types of font per visual. Is that accurate? I use three, honestly, yeah. I have okay. three, but um, they're used very sparingly. So I have a, a two, like I have a main font. That's like my main text. I have a scripty font, but that is very limited use. Like it's for like main call outs. It's hard to read sometimes. So we don't want to use it for more than like five words in a heading. So it's really, it'll just pop in here and there um, almost like a design element itself. And then I have like another heading type font that, For me, I only use that one in all caps. Like there's certain kind of parameters that I have for mine, but I don't think that three is too many um, visually, but it also depends what you're creating. If you're creating like a a document full of text, then I don't see the need to do the third one. If you're making like a visual PDF or you're doing a sales page and things are kind of moving around, incorporating, you know, pictures and stuff like that too, then you would... um, add those elements in. Wonderful. Kelly, we've gone from theoretical to granular as far as when it comes to branding. I've got one more question for you. And that is, what are the metrics that I should be tracking to measure the success and impact of my branding efforts? Yes. I love this. And don't we all want to have like a little calculator or something (laughs) that would help us to know whether things are going well. Um, It's so indirect when it comes to branding. And obviously your branding is, is guiding your marketing. So these efforts are really connected. But 
you know, for, if you're not going to go ahead and like invest in like a, a brand awareness study before you start and then doing like brand awareness testing, which is like definitely, I think something we don't need to do as small business owners. It's something that, um, you know, the big companies that I used to work with would do to try and get like public perception responses on, on where they stood. But for you as a small business owner, what you're going to see is increased confidence, which is going to lead to increased sales with your clients. And so that's going to lead to more money in your bank account. So that's one way to test it. If it's not working, that's probably because you're lacking the clarity, which is impacting your confidence and then not turning into the transactions that you actually are hoping for. Because ultimately we are business owners and we need to have a, have clients, have people actually joining your programs or pa- buying your packages to have a business. So I would, I would say that high level. If it's it. easy for you to do your marketing, if you can effortlessly get up and like record a podcast episode without, um, you know, pining over the script of it because you have that like clarity that is a good um, sign that you are pretty clear about your brand and your messaging. Yeah. My takeaway is if opportunities arise and the decision is easy, then I know my branding and I know my strategy. Yes. Right. Brilliant. And then the opposite, if it's not, time to go work on that. Time to work on it. Kelly, thank you so much for this time and these answers to these questions. You're back with us on June 27th. The workshop is nailing your niche or niche, depending where you live in the country or which country. Tell us a little bit, what do we can we expect from that workshop? Mm, yes. Yeah, so I say niche <laughs> and the niche is the question of getting more clarity about who your ideal client is, but I bring a different approach to the practice. So this is definitely something that you will have done in pretty much any business course and Braden probably made you do as part of like launching your podcast, which is great. And I definitely did. And I went back to a lot of the worksheets that I've created that I work with my clients through that talk about the the nuances of understanding the person that you're talking to rather than just the high level, like demographics and geographics and things like that, where we can get like focused and distracted by, you know, wondering where you know, what color is her hair and how old is she and does she get her nails done and what kind of purse does she carry and all of that. And honestly, unless you like sell purses or are a nail esthetician, like those things are irrelevant. So we're going to talk about what's irrelevant and what do you actually need to know when it comes to understanding who your niche and your ideal client is. Fantastic. That's going to be a great workshop. The only reason I don't say niche as much anymore is because of the phrase, the riches is in the niches. And that one just stuck with me. So the closer, more granular you get, you know who you're talking to, the more success you'll have. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners community get a hold of you between now and the next workshop if they have any other questions? Yes, please come and connect with me on Instagram at ksco underscore Kelly. Fantastic. You did it. You just listened to another episode of the Entrepreneur School podcast. It's like you just went to business school while you folded your laundry, prepped dinner, or picked up your kids at school. 
Thank you so much for being here. I want to personally celebrate your commitment to growing your business. You can imagine I'm throwing confetti for you right now. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review. Make sure you're subscribed and let us know you're listening by screenshotting this episode and tagging us on Instagram. Head to entrepreneurschool.ca for tons of tools and resources to help you grow your business while keeping your family a priority. You can subscribe to our email list and join our community. And until next time, go out there and do the thing.